Here we are in podcast land. Do, 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 do. Don't cut that. That's great. That's our new theme song, didn't you know? It's an original oh. piece called Here We Are in Podcast Land. It's beautiful. I wrote it myself. I can tell. I'm real excited about it. <laughs> Hey everyone, and welcome to the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers, the only tabletop gaming podcast with ladies, school children, and phonetic buns. This is episode 67, my name is Matt, and joining me on the cast today are my two lovely co-hosts. First up, Miss Tiffany B. Hello. The bringer of school children, I suppose. I guess so. And the bringer of ladies, Dan. <laughs> ladies. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that Dan we should call Dan so the bringer cool. of ladies. That sounds weird. I don't get it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you all for joining us. In case you it's, forgot or do not, not know where to find us. something you can learn, this. Tiff. <laughs> Listen, I can bring the ladies. Believe it. It's just something he exudes. <laughs> it's built into him. You either have it or you don't, I guess. I've got uh, phonetic buns. How's that going for you? It's a lot less exciting. Does that work? Equally difficult to teach, <laughs> though. Anyway, you can find us on Facebook.com slash the... You can find us on Facebook.com slash The League of Nonsensical Gamers. Shoot us an email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com. Head on over to the BGG Guild, number 2077. Or find us on places like Twitter, Instagram, and the Anchor Radio app. Thank you to our sponsor, Tasty Minstrel Games. You can find them at playtmg.com. Stay tuned on May 15th for Yokohama to hit your store shelves. All right, so for our show today, we've got a couple of cool things lined up. We are going to do our top of the stack from April and talk about what we're planning on doing in May. We are going to chat about our top 10 games outside of the top 100, since we spend so much time talking about all the cool things in the limelight. Let's look at some of the stuff in the outskirts. But before we get into any of that, we're going to talk about what we've been playing, and I want to know what in the world Surf's Up Dude is. Um, (laughs) yeah, that's a... It's an Alan Moon game that, oh, okay. um, yeah, my buddy Kyle kind of just like is a bargain hunter and it's something he picked up, I believe at the flea market at some point for origins. He does that okay. deal and it's, it's got a really high production value. So like when he brought it out, I was like, Ooh, um, and it's got nice components and it's got this big, everything's high gloss. You just don't see that anymore in a board game. Like the board is super shiny. It's got these huge chunky, like they're meeples, but they're in like a surfing pose and okay. they're like slanted meeples and they're little wooden trophies that you earn. And the game itself is really simple. It's kind of just a hand management game. You have different cards that correspond to different types of waves, and some of them have special abilities. There are three different types of waves, baby wave, pipeline, and monster wave. And they come out kind of like, there's a track of them, so they come out one at a time. And to place one of your dudes on it, you have to play a card that matches that type of wave. There's like a 
prime spot on the wave that gets you more points if if you make it all the way to the beach on that wave and then there are other spots and there are cards that you can play to get to that prime spot or to cut in on a wave and you know you also have your dudes that you have to get from the beach up to the ready position next to the wave so there's a lot of little parts to it but it's it's pretty much hand management you you play cards to get onto the wave at the end of the round um, the active player rolls a dice and there are competitions on the wave so the way that works is another like hand management deal you play a card and you're trying to be the highest value and there's also a bail card and I don't know they're they're just like it's a competition and you have to really think about whether or not you want to spend cards to get the points from that wave or just bail out. And um, so there's that. And then at the end, after that's all done, you each get three actions. You can move your dudes up to the ready position. You can take cards. Um, you know, it's it's pretty simple. Yeah. It's very light. It, it, it's one of those under an hour type games. And it's it's okay. I didn't mind playing it. I think we didn't have as much fun with the competitions because there was only three of us that particular night and the game plays up to six. And I don't know if Kyle had played it with more before, but I just have a feeling that the competitions would be more fun with less, with more players. Okay. We had a lot of like, plus we're like three kind of non-competitive people on Mm. top of it. So there's a card called like Peace. And you can just, like, not have a competition if you get <laughs> one of you place that card. And that happened a lot. So <laughs> I don't know, like, no, like how common ahead. those cards are. You take the no, wave. No, you. No, you. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you're just earning points as you, you know, there's bigger points for the monster wave in the prime position. But, like, yeah, it's it's really simple. It would be one that probably my board game club kids would like, I, I know for sure. But I don't know if I w- would need to play it many, many times. But if, if you can get it, like... Kyle got it for like five bucks or something. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, if you need a high player count, weird surfing game, yeah. That's cool. Or you need some surfer meeples, Dan, if you need some prototype components. They're really cool. They're big meeples, too. They're they're huge. And it it cool has pose. a really fun look as you're playing it. Yeah. Like, not a whole lot is happening, but it's fun. Is it? And, and there are surf babes that you get for landing a wave in the prime position. <laughs> So oh, I don't know if, fancy. if that's if that's gonna bother you. There are surf babe cards, and they say surf babe. But there on are them. half naked dudes on the regular cards, so I think it balances out, right? Everyone's in the appropriate surfing attire in general. Yeah, they have bikinis. I mean, yeah. I don't know. As many they do surf look babes a little do. Yes, but I don't know. I thought it was fun, and I like the theme, and, and you know, how many surfing games are there out there? Not many. Although they all seem to be kind of yeah. cool. What is there? Is it for marketing reasons that games won't put an ideal player count on the box? Because it would be nice yes. to know, like, two to six players, you probably want to play it with five instead of, like, getting into these well, three-player games. And I looked that up on BoardGameGeek, and it does say, like, if you look on BoardGameGeek, they have, like, the community, what they recommend, and it says best at five. Yeah. So I just think it's I'm a thinking shame three is probably not the ideal player count. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't unfun. It was just like, and uh, there's one complaint I do have. Because, like, you go until, like, these whistles come out on different wave tiles that you're pulling. 
And at the end of the game, you keep taking turns even though you're not putting new waves out. So there's not, like, a lot you can do, and it just feels weird. Like, I wonder if we were... We checked the rule book several times to see if we were doing something wrong because you just keep going mm. until the, all the waves make it to shore, and it just feels like you don't have a lot that you can do, like, for your actions. You can't move guys because they can't get on waves, so you pretty much take cards and I don't know. It was just strange yeah. that way. But mm. the end of the game was a little bit of a fizzle. But playing the game was fine. Okay. That's Surf's Up, dude. What a great name. Good names. <laughs> yeah. Good game names. Uh, I have played a whole bunch of different things. Kind of a random smattering. Of course, none of them were on my top of the stack. But I guess we'll get to that in a little bit. But uh. keeping with the old water theme, I finally played... I mean, I we played the pre-production of Coldwater Crown, and that what that's what got a lot of us to back it. Uh, but I got to play the regular game, and I played a two-player with Kel on a very sunny afternoon, which was nice weather corresponding with the game, and the game went really well. It reminded me of why I backed it, and I have no regrets, because it's such a great production value. It looks really sharp. The game is so quick and so easy. It's not an overly complicated game, but the uh, placement of the one and two tokens where you either get one action or two action and you flip your token when you take one is really satisfying. It gives you a little bit of a puzzle element and the idea of like you're, you've got these four sections on your player board trying to get rid of the gems of certain colors uh, and when you get rid of all the gems in an area you get to take a, a fish action. You know that it's a fun little puzzle. You know what order of operations do I want to do? There's a little bit of blocking but nothing that ruins your whole day and uh, lots of set collection, things like that. So it just goes pretty quick, and uh, I think altogether it it came out really well, and I'm happy to have this game on my shelf because it feels like something that could carry forward, uh, not just a game that I got and I'll play a couple times and say, oh, cool, I've, I backed this game and then kind of forget about it like I've done with a lot of Kickstarters. I feel like this one just could... It's going to be one of those filler plus games that's always going to be around, like, oh, we've got three or four people, let's play something quick. You know, Coldwater Crown is is easy to teach, and... Like, I don't even think I need the rule book anymore. Uh, it just it just kind of flows quite nicely. It's a very relaxing game. Oh, that's that's good to hear. Because I backed that one, too, yeah. after playing the prototype. And I haven't even unshrinked it yet. Yeah, and it does have I a solo, to. which is something that you had mentioned. Yes. Did you do... You haven't done that. I haven't. I don't actually know what the rule set is. It's in the back of the book. I did not read it, but that's definitely something that should be easy to get into, you know? You do have some stickering yeah. to do, though, Tiff. Yeah. Uh-oh. Okay. I I mean, it'll be all right. You don't I have to sticker your own it. dice, After though. the... Uh, dice, dice with stickers. Surf's Up Dude has a really ugly dice, but I was happy to see that it just didn't have stickers. Yeah. That... <laughs> You're such low standards now. Like, uh, at least I didn't have to sticker anything to it. It's a really, like, this whole, I didn't mention it, but, like, the whole game of Surf's Up Dude is this beautiful, like, thematic thing, and then it's got this ugly wooden black and white die that you roll with, like, block letters on it to indicate what thing you're doing. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I took over. No, you're okay. Your so, I, you know, crown. Cold Water Crown, I think, is totally solid, and I think that, I don't know that it's on store shelves yet, or it should be coming, though. Uh, Bellwether does a good job of getting their games out there, so... Check that one out. It shouldn't be a, a terribly high price point for the amount of game you're going to get. All right, Dan, you've been quiet so far, and you're not on video, so I have no idea what you've been doing this whole time. You might be asleep. Is he even there? Wake up. I'm here. What have you been playing? Nothing, really. Oh. 
That's fine. She's been busy. So I'm busy. Some of us have responsibilities. Can't always game. Yep. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, I don't know. What did I play? I played Pandemic Iberia. That was. Oh, I played that too. That was Pandemic. Set I was waiting for that moment frame. that we could all join in on it. Yeah. It's um, yeah. It's fine. It's Pandemic with a couple of rule tweaks to make it different from all the other pandemics um it's yeah i like i mean pandemic did you win yeah i've never lost a game of pandemic and that's probably why i just get bored with it like it's because you're so smart dan no it's just like every time on the introductory level one doesn't matter it's still like you know with co-ops you want to be challenged and that was i mean we we did well i mean we were close to losing we had two more outbreaks and blue was a hot mess we we lost like it was like we needed one more turn to win, mm-hmm. and then we lost. It was like an outbreak disaster. Anyway, our nine opening cards, like. seven of them were blue. It was <laughs> messy. Yeah, I thought. I don't know. I find, I found some of the mechanics a little less satisfying than regular pandemic. Like in regular pandemic, I like that when you cure, then you can go like heal all the blues or all the reds in one area. Like that just feels satisfying to go and kind of eradicate things. But in this one, like. You couldn't. You just got to like play a different card to put water tokens in. Like I was like, eh, yeah, that's the theme of the game. It is, but I just it was it just wasn't as satisfying. Like it's historically accurate. I pandemic. understand that. I'm Damn. just saying it just isn't as satisfying. That's all I'm. Did saying. Did you guys place those water tokens? Because we maybe sort of forgot about the whole purifying water they are super important that's probably why you lost him (laughs) (laughs) yeah i know it was getting we were in a rush because our whole like game night thing now is like kyle has to leave take your turn because kyle leaves earlier than everybody else so (laughs) gotcha yeah we were rushing through it a little bit did you place railroad tokens yes we did that because i like the railroads i think that's fun to have I think this that's nice network to move around in. Because some of the movement Damn, is what do you think about the it? most restrictive part of Pandemic. You're like, ah, oh, I just need one more action to get there. Right. No, I agree. Do you like the railroad tokens, Dan? Yeah. I thought that was fine. Um, it was solid. I mean, it was fine. Like, yeah. It, the Pandemic games are solid. I mean, it's an ama- It's like an amazingly uh, compact and functional system. And they just keep tweaking it. That's all. Like a ticket to ride, kind of. Let's just make the base game, change one small thing, slap another theme or country on it, and we're good to go. We'll make a couple more bucks. Um, I, I don't see the need to own this one over like a regular pandemic if you're into pandemic, like regular pandemic, other than to maybe switch it up a little bit. But I mean, regular pandemic has enough expansions. I would think you'd get as much switch up as you needed. As, I don't know, unless you're playing pandemic like every night of the week. Yeah, it's yeah, good. Yeah, I can, I can agree with that. As someone who really loves Pandemic, like, I'm really glad that I got it, and I will play it again, but I don't need to have this version. Yeah. I like the I like the way it looks. It's super pretty. It's definitely the best-looking really Pandemic. I think that this is my favorite way to play and version to play, and I don't have base Pandemic, so it's perfect for me. And I do agree that, you know, base Pandemic's got a lot more expandability, so... That's a draw to it. Ben has base pandemic though, so I, I let him hold on to that torch. And I have this one in Cthulhu. So and this is significantly better than Cthulhu. Yeah. Dan actually requested the co-op game 
So we settled on, Steve was like, Pandemic Cthulhu. And I was like, no, 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 no. Let's go with Iberia if we're <laughs> going to play one of them. Because it's it's just a better game. You have more control over it. Uh, Pandemic uh, Cthulhu yeah, is so yeah, random. Yeah, I can see that. I love it, though. No, yeah, I, it was fine. It's probably I mean, my favorite. Yeah, it's it's good. I mean, if, if you're looking for something cool, fine. I, I, I can't recommend it over the base game, but I've only played those two. So um, I will recommend I'd the dice game over all three of them, though. Really? Yeah, the dice because it's just so much quicker and compact, and just let's get it done with, and it's good. It's still got that satisfying cooperative feel to it. Dan, and... Dan likes the one that he can get through and over with the fastest. <laughs> yeah, that's what's well, satisfying for me, like, to pandemic, Dan, being done with it. <laughs> for me, pandemic is it, it's it's done and dusted kind of thing. Like, it, and it, I, I'll be the first to admit, it's probably the best co-op game you can buy, in my opinion. Like, it's that good, but mm. it's just. It for me, I've just I've kind of like I'm past it, so I can tell if I'm going to play it. Like let's do the dice one. I like the I like the randomness of the the roll there, and let's work with that. Uh, I don't know. It's shorter. It's yeah. I've played the dice one recently, and I gotta say, there's just something I like the map element of actual pandemic. There, when you take that away, it's I don't know. It's to me, it's not as satisfying. I love I love Pandemic the Cure, but I would definitely rank any version of Pandemic over Pandemic the Cure. Sure. It depends on what you're looking for. Like I said, I, I'd, I'd rather have a, a shorter, more compact experience. But, yeah. I got a game of Pandemic Iberia out of I'm it, just, so I'm cool. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm just waiting. Next one will be Pandemic Africa or something. I don't know what's next. Like I'm sure they'll just slap another theme on it and keep riding this money train. I don't have enough shelf space for, like, an infinite number of pandemics that are going to happen. And I know that they are, and I know that I will buy them. I'm not sure what I'm going to do about them. We're going to do Legacy Season 2. Like, that's what's up next. Oh, I'm not doing Pandemic Legacy. I'm going to have someone else buy that. I can't do it. Yeah. I'm just saying, in terms of expansions, like, that's definitely where their their minds are. They've got the number one game on BGG right now, so they probably won't give that line up. Definitely not. Maybe one day I'll give it a try. All right. Well, let's let's talk about something else. Since Tiff, that was also partly your game. Let's talk about something else that Dan can yeah. chime in on. We played a game of Cry Havoc, which was what Dan traded a uh, glass road for. We played that on tabletop day. It was a four-player game with Cal, Steve, and I, and Dan. And uh, yeah, so Cry Havoc's like a dudes on a map game. It goes fairly quickly, I thought. Uh, you're trying to control areas with crystals on them, and crystals are your point scoring. You only score points if you've activated scoring for the round, and I think you play like up to five rounds possibly. And outside of that, it's a lot of just like unit production and unit movement, and you clash together and have these like one-on-one battles and areas. Uh, it's got this battle system, which is like an area control element within an area control element. You have to like place your dudes in one of these three areas, and those areas either control fight for control of the area kill dudes or capture dudes so there's like a mini game within the battles but other than that it's fairly cut and dry you got a lot of async powers or like dan was these wizard people who could make crystals steve was these robots who could build a lot i was the humans who could move really fast and kel was the inhabitants of the planet who were they're called trogs i believe and they're like these uh I don't know, golem monster things that pop up just all over the board and smash things in with their very primitive large hands. 
So <laughs> we all have like different <laughs> ways to to produce and score points and things like that. But uh, the end goal is the same. You're trying to like move around the map and, and carve out your little area to score points and put crystals in there. And it encourages a lot of conflict and butting heads, but it's not overly... I didn't find it, at least in one game, to be like overly aggressive. You definitely have to butt heads to... Because every time you create a conflict, you get more crystals. But it it didn't feel... It didn't feel like you were wiping someone out every time. Like it's just you might go into a battle with only three or four guys on each side, and that's kind of a big battle. So it's it's not these big uh, like a Civ game where you're like, let's throw my whole army in this area. It's just kind of these little like tactical hit and run kind of things to take control. So uh, overall, you know, I thought it was good. I, I get why people like it. I don't know. Uh, there's an expansion coming. I'm not sure what that will add. And there's a lot of variability that we didn't explore because there's a, these extra powers that you can add in. Uh, to try to change the game up a little bit. So, you know, I, I thought it was cool. I was happy to play it. It felt fairly straightforward and easy to play. So that's cool. Dan, where do you fall on it? It's all right. It had, like you said, it was quick. Turns were snappy. Uh, the rules were pretty straightforward. Um, yeah, I don't know. I didn't, I wasn't overwhelmingly, like, at the end of it, like, excited to play it again. I, I guess I would. I mean, it had enough kind of Euro sensibilities that um, it wasn't completely just bonkers dudes on a map. Kind of let's roll dice and flip. I thought the I thought the battle system was uh, very. It was cool in theory, and I don't know if this again was just a first play kind of conundrum, but it was like three guys on three guys. I'll go here, you go there, you go there. Like, it wasn't, like, the majority, it was more, I don't know. It just, it never played out all that interesting. It was just like, okay, I've got two, you've got one, I win. Which is fine, and it's simple and straightforward. But, I don't know, I would have, I liked the way that you could kind of tactically maneuver that little board a little bit. But, I I don't think you ever had enough pieces to do anything all that fun. And and that could have just been me and my play style. I don't know. The wizard people I played at were kind of boring. It was another one of those async games where I sat there going, I wish I could be everyone else. That looks like fun. That looks like fun to do. All right, I'll build a crystal. Your turn. Um, So um, I I see what that that race or whatever the, the inhabitant people, the wizard people were trying to do. Like, it, they build the crystal engine they sit on it they're like the turtle race almost but i don't know i just yeah it was okay i um i don't know i put it up for sale slash trade I, i'm not if it's not in my collection i'm not going to cry about it um, you're not going to cry havoc but, about uh, it nope but you know i'm yeah. glad i got to try it because it like it, it did have some kind of cool mechanics in it but um from what i've heard two player is broken and doesn't work and Three player, four player, I don't know. I don't just, yeah, we'll see. I need to research like ideal async powers so I can make sure that you get like the race that you'll be interested in when you play these games. No, it's not even that. Like, it's just, that's not my style of game to begin with. I was willing to try it because, like I said, it had some kind of Euro y elements to it. But at the end of the day, it's still just an area control conflict game. And that's, that's not very high on my, my interests list. So. Um, but glad I tried it. It was fine. Like I said, I got a new entrant copy in the in the trade, so I figured why not? We'll see. Yeah, it's good value. I guess. Yeah. I I mean, I don't really. I didn't really want Glass Road all that much either, because I know no one else would really play it with me. But I'd much rather have Glass Road than Cry Havoc. 
I think, but that's just me. I was under the impression that you weren't a big fan of Glass Herd. No, I believe my words were it was good, but I felt like it was too abrupt. Um, I just, I never felt like I got what I wanted to get going. Mm. Um, but I liked the card play mechanic a lot. I thought that was fun. Cool. Cry Havoc. In the middle somewhere. Floating around in terms of dudes on the map game. Tiff. How's Alien Frontiers? Going okay. My board game club seemed to like it. Yeah. We, I introduced it to them. They don't take their turns very quickly, so we didn't actually finish a game. And when we do that, we just take a picture of the board and take a picture of what you have mm-hmm. in your player area and then recreate it the next week. And and so we'll we'll hopefully complete the game, but I, they definitely were having fun doing it. <laughs> too much fun. Too much fun? Because they were too much fun. I... <laughs> They just get they get excited and they t- they start talking about like things that they're going to do and whatever uh, or, like you've blocked me and they they start picking on each other when they get blocked out of spaces so like just the time between turns just takes forever and there's one kid in my group who like actually strategizes ahead of time mm-hmm. the rest of them just kind of in the mo- like don't have the attention span to really plan that far in advance i gotcha so he's like someone take a turn like the whole time i feel bad (laughs) for him but you know they were clearly enjoying themselves and you know we've had a little bit of trouble with games where there's any kind of conflict this year because i have one in my group who just can't deal with it very well and he seemed fine so hey oh that's good you just had a yeah i I guess there is a decent bit of interaction in that game it's not terribly there aggressive, is. I mean, though. no, it's sort of passive, and yeah. it's blocking-type stuff, and so it's not as targeted, mm-hmm. so that works. But, like, you know, if you get blocked out of building your next ship, like, a bajillion times in a row, it can be very frustrating, even for an adult. And yeah. that was actually starting to happen to him, and I was like, uh-oh. Um, but, no, they're doing all right. And we're using the rocket dice. Nice. <laughs> so that make, that makes it fun, I think. <laughs> Um, they're not the most practical dice ever because they're very easy to like move yeah. which face they're on. But I think the kids are enjoying the fancy copy of it. And, cool. and they're like, don't bend the cards. It's kind of adorable. How, how quickly did they pick it up? Pretty quick. Yeah. I was kind of impressed because it's probably like the deepest game we've played. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say it. Yeah, probably the deepest play play that mm. these guys, this particular little crew, has done, and and they picked up on it really fast without too much help from me. I gave them a couple of strategy pointers mm-hmm. just to get things going, so they didn't make huge mistakes just yeah. right off the bat. But I mean, we're just in the point of the game where they're starting to place colonies and get some of those planet abilities. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how things go from there. Because I mean, that's not very far into the game. Yeah, even though we. Even though Board Game Club is an hour and a half long. Well. Somehow. Children. <laughs> expand the time children, frame of yeah. everything. They really do. I, I always forget that. I'm like, we've expanded Board Game Club an extra half hour. This should be no problem. Mm. And I taught it fast, too. Yeah. But nope. We're going to be playing it next week. Maybe we gather that. We'll see. That's cool, though. That's exciting that you got something like that yeah. to the table. Yeah, you know, it's like a real game. It's like a it's real game. It's not a filler. It's not a dexterity game. <laughs> so, awesome. yay. So it is viable for middle schoolers to play Alien Frontiers. 
like more than like it was easier to teach them than i thought it would be i thought they would get confused but once they understand the basic of like the dice placement i mean it's really just one thing they have to understand and then Mm -hmm. variations on that one thing so cool all right well we've talked about a bunch of games dan is there anything else that you have played that is standing out for you um no i'll hold on to a couple for next time yeah all right well that's a little bit about what we have been playing Be sure to come find us on our different places if you want to contribute and talk about what you've been playing. Be sure to let us know. But let's move forward into our top of the stack for April and May. And if you're like me, April did not go well. So I guess we will see. Who should we start with? Who's feeling feeling jolly, ready to talk about things? We start with happy and end with sad. Is that what we do? Yeah, I think probably. Yeah. Dan, how did you do with Deus with the Egypt expansion, Barony with the Sorcery expansion, and Cuba, a game about Cuba? Uh, Zero. I didn't play any of them. I had a pretty slow month. Goose egg. Games-wise overall. So, Do you have any of these on you right now? You need to set these up after the recording. Um, I do not. I do not. Oh. So. Oh, no, wait, I have Cuba. The game about Cuba. Yeah. Well, do you, what do you want to do for your May top of the stack? Um, for my May, I'm not putting any published games. I want to get my, I want to get Storm Chasers played three times this month at minimum with other, with live people, not just myself. Because um, Origins is coming around the corner and I'm hoping to show it to some people. So um, I really need to, to focus and hone in. So that's my goal this month. All right, honing in on the prototype design stuff with Storm Chasers. If you, if people want to play that game with you and help you with your top of the stack, can they do that? Can they find you out in the world? Um, the the Tabletopia should be probably finished this week um, by the time this is recorded. So, yeah, I could probably set something up with some people. I'm not sure how cool. it's going to run, but sure, if you want to play, let me know. Awesome. Well, I unfortunately goose-egged as well. Overly ambitious. I think I ran into <laughs> I ran into a problem previously where I was given games or picked games that I didn't own. I also need to just not pick games that I need to play with people. Uh, so those are my two stipulations. <laughs> I need to own them and not have to play them with others because that is tough sometimes. Own them and solo games only. Yeah, now. Blood Bowl didn't happen. I, I could have played Blood Bowl with with Cal yesterday, but I didn't want to push it on her, and we ended up watching Split instead, which was an awesome movie. Ooh. Yeah. So I did that instead of Blood Bowl, but that was not on top of my stack. Uh, Mythos Tales and Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, I did not get either one a case played. Uh, I did play a case of Sherlock and Holmes, which was the competitive one, but that doesn't count, so that's out. And we did not play Matainai, even though Cal does like that game. So Goose Egg for the Halstead Brothers this time. I am keeping Blood Bowl. I'm just going to keep just bashing my head into that wall until it gets played. Uh, but I also want to play, I was when I was going through my list for today's segment that we'll, we're about to do, I want to play some more Stronghold. Got to get Stronghold back out because I really do feel like that's an awesome two-player game. Uh, although, again, breaking my own rule immediately, I'd have to play it with Kel. So we'll see. And then I've got this copy of Yokohama that I want to play. I was talking to... My buddy Astro that I play uh, Overwatch with, and he said Yokohama's totally cool. So I'm excited to get that out and, and check it out. I'm hearing it's what Istanbul could have been. So that is exciting. What's wrong with Istanbul? I was going to say. 
This temple is this like temple less is convoluted fine. and your eyes won't cross. Bam. Nailed it, Dan. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like, Yokohama's good, but this temple's just as good. And put that expansion in, it's even better. Okay. Yeesh. Boom. No, I'm just saying, I'm defending I'm just defending Istanbul. I'm not I'm not attacking anyone. I'm defending Istanbul. Well, you even described it to Steve as Istanbul Plus, so I'm confused. It is. It's it's Istanbul on steroids, but okay. you don't always need to take steroids. That's what I'm saying. Well, I didn't say Istanbul was bad. I just said what Istanbul could have been had it been on steroids. <laughs> Rewind a second. I was not attacking you. I was defending the game Istanbul this is very against Yokohama. Right. Fervent. If there's anything we take away from this, it's that you don't always need to take steroids. Now let's talk about my top of the All stack. right, Tiff. How'd you do with me, Tierra, Herbaceous, and Copycat? I mean, not so good, but you know what? I did get one game played. If you if you beat us <laughs> out with Herbaceous, I'm going to be very upset. <laughs> I did. I did indeed beat you out with Herbaceous. You shouldn't be too upset. Okay. You had to play Herbaceous. Oh, I like Herbaceous. It's f it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. I like the art and I like the theme and it's simple and whatever. But uh, Copycat was supposed to be played on Tabletop Day at our Panericon. Panericon got canceled, so that didn't get played. Meteora is really dependent on me learning the rules for it and... It's been a little bit of a rough April, so that didn't happen. But I am I'm pleased with myself, actually. So there. I'm very happy for you. <laughs> the the one time that I finally I've done it. I'm better than you this month. Um, and for next month, I I'm changing it up. I can't keep Meteora because I know it's not going to happen in May. There's just too much stuff going on at school for the last month of school, and I know I won't learn the rules. So I'm gonna I'll put Meteora back on for June, but sure I'm taking it off will. for now. I really do want to play Meteora. It is it's I leave it on my table to remind me that it's like I'm not letting that one go. Uh, but I, I added Shakespeare because I haven't played it in a while and I remember loving it a lot and I need to get back into it. Uh, Coldwater Crown, which we already talked about. I haven't even taken out of the shrink yet, but I might even just try to get a solo play of that in this month. And Gaia, which is something I got a long while back and it's just another game that's been kind of hanging out on my shelf and I haven't played in a while. So that's what I want to play. Kicking it old school a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Like last year, I'm not really buying new games. Right, I'm not really buying new games these days mm -hmm. very often. So you know, I don't have that much new stuff to try. I'm going to be kicking it old school probably until Origins would be. Can my we guess. say kicking it old school more? Kicking it old school. Yeah, let's use that phrasing a while. But yes, yeah, so can we just make a segment called "Kicking It Old School"? Kicking it old school. New segment. Yeah. We just did it. I'll get some sweet <laughs> 90s hip-hop to play in the background while Tiff talks about playing games from years ago. From like yeah. two years ago. That's what's kicking it old school in our time. Well, this will be our last I'm top of the stack before um, before Origins. And Origins top of the stack will be extravagant because we'll have so much time to play games. Yes. That's what we think. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, before we move on to our next segment... Uh, a couple of our lovely listeners chimed in on the BGG Guild number 2077 and gave their top of the stack. So Alex wanted to play Anachrony, Barcelona, The Rose of Fire, which, well, those are two different games. Sorry, I, I bled those together. Anachrony, 
Barcelona, the Rose of Fire, which was on sale, I think, uh, recently. Uh, Fields of Despair, France, 1914 to 1918. Patrick Hillier was supposed to play copycat with TIFF, uh, but that didn't happen. Uh, Millennium Blades and Lords of Vegas, which we talked about last episode. was That's just not the Patrick's fault, though. No, I'm don't, not blaming don't. him. Just saying it didn't happen. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And Brendan wanted to play Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the board game, Anachrony, and The Arrival. So if you are interested in sharing interested in sharing your top of the stack head on over to the bgg guild let us know what you are hoping to play in the month of may let's take a quick break and when we come back we're going to talk about our top 10 games outside the top 100 join us for that our final segment of the episode it is our top 10 outside the top 100 or as i'm now calling it the top 10 of the other 90,000 games <laughs> yeah that works now so we all i liked this list yeah it was fun to make what was fun about it tiff what'd you enjoy I it, it stressed me out there's too many <laughs> options well, I think I did mine a little bit differently than yours, but I, I mean, I just went downstairs to my board game room and I was like, oh, what do I like to play? And I wrote down a list that was like way too long. And then I crossed off the ones that were in the top 100, some of which were a little surprising. And then I like narrowed it down from there. But it's been a while since we've done a top 10 list. Think yeah, about no, it. I'm with you. And it was it was just kind of fun. See, I did my list entirely different. I started at number 101 and went down and got to about 1,000, felt fatigued and stopped. <laughs> and so we... Yeah, I didn't feel fatigued. Yeah. We can just address the elephant the in the room. reveal. That these lists were not created with the same idea in mind. So save your emails, people. They're just... It's, it's, our, it's our top 10 games. Don't tell me that these lists don't match uh, up. Nonsensical gamers, guys. Yeah. Okay, we, we all three of us did our list differently. It's fine. We, we've developed this with a constant cop-out and caveat built in. <laughs> Nothing ever has to make sense. It's part of the show. Thank God. Yeah, sorry. It's just too hard to keep it together, you know? So let's go through starting with our number 10. You know, if you feel like particularly passionate about a game, you want to talk a little bit about why it's awesome, we can definitely include that in there. And Tiff, since this was your lovely idea, let's have you go first. What is your number 10 of the top 90,000 games? Uh, my number 10 was Quantum, ah, which interesting. Is, is ranked 339. I really love Quantum. I I don't know. It's just like fun. It's like a short one of those space games where you're... It's like dudes on a map, but in, in space and you use dice. Yeah, and it's got all the different movement patterns with the dice. It's been sitting in my Amazon wish list cart thingy for, I don't know, like a year. And I just never buy it because Dan actually owns it. But it's just, it's oh. it's one of those games that's like pretty good and might be worth owning. But, you know, I'm on the fence about it. 
I have a few like that in my like Amazon wish list, but no, I really like Quantum, and sometimes that's one of my go tos. Like when we when we're like, "What do you want to play? What do you want to play?" That's kind of a go to. Solid, totally solid. My number ten is one of the classics, one of the games that everyone should have on their shelf, even though I don't have it on my shelf because all of my other friends own it. Number 129 on the BGG list is Carcassonne, which I don't know that anything else needs to be said. It, for some reason, is not in the top 100, but it is probably the epitome of tile lane games. And it's got thousands of expansions, including one that lets you catapult your meeples across the board. So, I mean, what more do you want out of a tile lane Euro game? I highly doubt that expansion is even close to the top 100, but yeah. No. It's a terrible the base game, game is fantastic. Oh. And if you're like Dan yes. and you love games that are exactly the same, just in a different theme, uh, you can have pretty much any theme Carcassonne you want. Yep. <laughs> Dan, now that I know that you are in fact here for this list, what is your number 10? I don't know. I was trying to decide between three. Um, it's the only spot like on my list that I'm questioning well, what which are your one. three? My three we'll you decide. that are on here, I guess, are my my lovely underrated game, Merms. Mermies. Merms. Oh, I just got rid of that one. Okay. That, that's Next. a mistake. Um, Lords of Vegas and oh. Deuce. <laughs> Deuce isn't in the top 100. Deuce was on my list. No, it's not. No, Deuce is like 300 or 240 or something like that. I almost put Deus on my list. It's not. So I think you should go for that. The hipster pick is Mermies. If you want to Yeah, be. and Mermies is, like, of those three, like, Mermies is your, like, classic dry Euro, but you get to be an ant. Come on, Game people. Is tough. You're an ant. So I know. Tough. It's it is tough. so tough and so tight. And I, mm, I love you it. You got to fight, like, ladybugs and stuff, and they kill your ants. It's awful. You got to make sure your larvae are good. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, but, uh, it's just stressful. But like Lords of Vegas yeah. just always brings a smile to my face. Like I never game is really good, and that's just constant randomness and dice rolling. But I just have so much fun with that game. I feel like any game that you can actually have fun with, Dan, should be on your list. I I think it's gonna be Vegas. <laughs> I think it's gonna be Lords of Vegas because I just I just have so much fun every time I play that game. Doesn't matter. Like even if I get crushed, it's still fun. And we talked about it a little bit last week. Like it's an actual negotiation game that I can get behind. So I even have one auction game on this list. So this will be my negotiation game. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> awesome. All right, Tiff, number nine. Uh, number nine, I put Coal Baron. Mm. Coal yeah. Baron is solid. I what mean, num- it's 440. Yeah, okay. It's not very high, but I don't know. It's like, it's just one of those games that I'm like, oh, I don't know what to play. Let's play Coal Baron. It's simple enough to teach quick, I think. And, you know... It's got fun little elevator thing. Yeah, I don't find it, it. It's kind of like mining for coal for me. Like it's just, it's like the. Is it really? No, it's not. No, not that that's bad. It's just generic. Like it feels like oh. a very just middle middle of the road game, and it's fun. Like it's fun. I don't mind playing it. I don't. And it totally works. Maybe it is a middle of the road game. I mean, that's probably that's why. Okay. It's, that's okay. Uh, probably a lot of people feel that way since it's four forty, but I don't know. I get excited about that coal mine. It's a very good game, but it's I understand why people wouldn't get like excited about it. Yeah. But it's a very good game. Like very good. My number nine is probably one of my first and favorite deck builders that doesn't get a lot of love. Core Worlds, which is four forty five on the list. 
it has a great theme. It's got nice deck building elements. Uh, it's it really lets you kind of build up and create lots of interesting combos and in the way that you can kind of save cards and get you know different lots of variety in terms of how you can uh, approach things with your special powers and then trying to capture the planets and things like that build that efficiency engine i think the core worlds is totally cool my only knock against it would be that it takes so long at least when we play it uh it's always like a two-hour game if not more but a totally solid deck builder i, I really like it and i think you gotta play with that expansion would you say dan i said it's probably my favorite deck builder if you were going to rope me into a deck builder it would be cool yeah, i mean we we played a lot of core worlds back in the day and that wasn't even one that we really had to rope you into you were all for it if i remember correctly Correct. Yeah. Dan, number nine. Uh, number nine for me is my auction game, and that is Metropolis. Oh, yeah. I um, I really, really like this game. Um, the Just kind of the spatial aspects and the kind of the physicality of the pieces and the, putting them on the board, and it makes the, like, looking at the city. Um, it's it's really good. I like it. The yep. bidding system is so, so unique. Um, the different pieces one through ten and you have to place higher and it makes the bill ah so good love metropolis so busy it makes me so happy that like some of these games are on your list because they were definitely ones that were on my like initial list and i was like oh okay there there are other ones that i go for first so nope that's a great one metropolis is so good the board is very hard to distinguish some of the sections and the, the same with like the the cards because they show the board kind of on them but um yeah now it's it's so quirky and so good tiffany b number eight number eight i put patch history this is an interesting pick i think at least yeah i'm is it yeah it's very interesting it is it's pretty low ranked in fact it might be my lowest ranked game on this list i and i've only played it a few times but i just really it's like such a unique kind of concept with the layering of the cards and i i do love a nice historical type of game and it has all the elements of of like your nations and that kind of a thing but it's just i don't know to me it just clicked in my brain when i played it and it it works for me um so I actually I have know. the rule book on my nightstand right now because I was looking. Do you? Yeah, because I was reorganizing my list and I pulled out like the rule books of the games I haven't played and wanted to play, and it, that was one of them. Mm. Yeah. yeah. No, I just like it. It's it's a neat thing where you're expand like like you're not only just laying over those cars, but you're expanding out your area. Like you start with the five by five grid, and then you go out, and I don't know. It's it's got all those elements that I like. Yeah, this is one that's been regularly available. Uh, I got it for like 10 or $15 on one of those cool stuff, huge like mass sales. And I just threw it into the I cart. I traded because, for it, I think. Yeah. So it, it's really easy to get your hands on. I, mine's still in shrink because I didn't really know. I, I threw it in there because it's a supposedly a cool and interesting game, but I didn't know really anything about it. Uh, but I know I've looked at Dan's copy in the rule book. The rule book's kind of heavy, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. It's been a... I mean... Initially, I was taught it. Okay. Thank it's you, not... Copac. And <laughs> but I don't think it's that crazy. Is it's it? not bad, but it's um, I believe it's a it's an Asian publisher, Stunt Kite or yeah. something like that. So as I'm reading through it now, like, like there's some there's some clarity that could probably be added to it, mm-hmm. but it's not it's not horrible. 
Um, but it is it is a good like twenty pages, I think. Yeah. But they give they give a lot of good examples. Easier to relearn. Yeah. Like once you know it, I don't think it's that hard to get it back out. And I think that's one of my like qualifications for games now is that how hard is it for me to relearn it? Since I have to relearn the rules every time I get a game out, how easy is it to relearn? Number eight for me, a game number 211 on the BGG list, Lancaster, which I think is a totally great game. And I haven't played with any of the expansions or the big box or anything like that. I've just played the base game a bunch of times. But I really like the, what is it? It's not, it's like work replacement, but area? No, not. It's kind of like an auction. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's kind of like what Dan was talking about, about the different size Metropolis pieces where you've got the different sized knights and you've got your squires that you can add on and you're basically like bidding on different spots so that you take actions. You're trying to set collect the different nobles and uh, fight in the battles and things like that. So it, yeah, I guess it's more of an auction but with like an area majority kind of thing in the battles uh, and set collection. So it's just all around. I really like the game. I think it's got a nice bit of tension. You've got a little bit of hidden information uh, that you can use. It's not, it doesn't throw randomness into the game. It's just like, oh, I don't know how many squires that guy's got or, you know, can they or can they not outbid me? Things like that. So it, it, it creates a nice tension. And I think that overall the game just flows really well. It's really smooth. Makes a lot of sense. And even though it's got that Queen Games aesthetic, which isn't always the prettiest, you know, I think it's a pretty cool game thematically, too. So I really like Lancaster. It's very good. It's Matthias Kramer. He's going to show up many, many times on my list. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Dan. Well, give us your number eight. Uh, Number eight is a card game by the name of Arboretum. Yeah, I almost had this on there. I have my three favorite card games on this list, and number three is Arboretum. I really enjoy this game. Uh, so super crunchy and thinky um, in such a small footprint. Uh, it's so good. Love it. Pretty art. Pretty trees. trees. Yeah. It's like Bob Ross made a board game. Yeah, Bob Ross is so, so happy to play the game. So many happy trees. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the least favorite of, of that line of card games for me. Really? Yeah, I had a really bad experience the first time I played it, but mm. moving on. It's easily the toughest. It's yeah. so crunchy. You can regularly yeah, end probably, the game with you know, four points. It's so tense. With my AP, that's oh, be a yeah, problem. Very AP prone. Mm. Lots of tough decisions every round. But a not-so-tough decision, Tiffany B, number seven on your list. I put a Bluxen, since we're doing card games. Yeah. I almost... I almost forgot card games because when I look at my shelves, all the card games are just jam-packed onto the one shelf. And I didn't even really look at them. I'm like, oh, I'd be remiss if I didn't put this on there because I, I play it at every convention pretty much. Anytime like there's a bunch of people around, we're not sh- like, it's, it's so good. It's yeah. simple and good. And, you know, you should just this is one you should always just carry on you. Comes in handy. Doesn't Set collection. Strange shaped cards, though. No, they're just regular Are cards. They? It's just got a lot of them. Oh. It's got a lot of cards, and they all have, like, of links on them. Different colored links. Very snarky-looking links. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A bloxin is what the fox says. Meow, 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 meow. It's, it's meow, a lynx, meow, 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 meow. Oh. It's a lynx. <laughs> it's, it's a lynx, yeah. I know. Anyway. 
Numbers. Just making a reference seven. to the awesome song. <laughs> For me, is a game That's that we've already awesome. talked about. We don't need to expand too much on Alien Frontiers. Is totally solid. Dice worker placement. I didn't put that on my list because I thought it was too close to 100. What's it at? <laughs> it's at 130. Oh, well, no. It would have been very high on my list had I not excluded it. It's number seven for me. Totally solid. I still don't own a copy of it, but that's okay. I, I probably like to have a copy of it, but, you know, it's okay. Uh, but, yeah, we already talked about it. So, Dan, go ahead. Give me your number seven. Parade. Sticking with that Z-Man oh, your number two card game. Freaking wow. knock it out of the park. Parade is phenomenal. It's so good. I do love Parade. It's another thinky. Uh, this one is absolutely beautiful because I'm a big Alice in Wonderland fan. I love the artwork. I love the scoring mechanism. It's just so good. If you haven't, you should own every one of those Z-Man games. Yep, they're so good. Including Chimera. Yeah, and I'm curious to see with Zev at WizKids now. I know he's got a couple like trick takers and a couple of like card games in the works there. I wonder if he's still got that same eye for these really good card games uh, with WizKids. So we'll see. Maybe they'll have a similar line. Yeah. I know that Camelot one is out now, but it, it's a lot of words on cards. I don't know. That kind of turns me off in a trick taker, but we'll see. I've wanted to get the new archaeology, but I can never find it. But. Because that's in that. Yeah, that's line. probably my least favorite. All of them, yeah. to be honest. Archaeology. I think Sky Tango good. is my least favorite. Is that in that line? Is yeah, it? I believe so. I didn't think it was. Oh. Oh. All right, that's my least favorite then. Let me see. Since we're sitting here, Tiffany B. While I do this in the back end, go ahead and tell me your number six. My number six is Hawaii. Hawaii. I have a really I soft spot for this game. this game. I mean, it's. It's worker placement. You build your own little Hawaiian vi village. There's a couple of different currencies that you use. You the I like that it's variable setup. So there are different places on the board that you visit, and there's a movement element of it. So I don't know. I, I it was one of the first heavier games that I really got into, and I've played it a lot more than other games. So I feel like it deserved to be on this list. Tom Vassell threw it off of his roof, but I think he was dead wrong on it. I love yeah. it. Well, if there's anything that Dan, we have do you played here, Hawaii? it's right. No, actually, I've almost I've almost bought it like three times. Um, they actually have a used copy at the game store in Bel Air for like twenty bucks, and I keep staring at it, and I'm like, hmm. So maybe I'll maybe I'll pull the trigger. I don't really need it's any. Not I don't need new hard. games. Yeah, but. it's not terribly hard. It's just kind of in the middle for like euro games but it's a fun theme and i don't know i like it yeah it's spreadsheety i i've heard yeah i want to try it at some point especially if tom threw it off the roof that means i really want to try it because it's probably awesome <laughs> yeah well it's only ranked 467 well so okay. i think it should be a little higher than that but i'm biased a little higher than that is my what is this number six and that's belfort because Belfort is probably one of the best area control games to start with, I think. I think it's just a fantastic I way. I took Belfort off of my list because it's area control. Yeah? I mean, I love area control. Yeah, we I all know this. Yeah, I just don't like that. Yeah. But it's like area control without the dudes on the map thing. So you're not fighting anyone, but it's got nice uh, resource collection. 
you know, kind of area majority in that sense where you can try to gather your different resources and then you're building your little buildings and you got to choose where on in the Belfort to, to place your things. And it just has a lot of nice, like, strategic second places and the different variability in the buildings that yeah. give you, uh, you know, it's where I learned that the first thing you need to do is get more workers and things like that. Like, there's, it's just got a, n- a lot of nice <laughs> uh, fundamental, you know, game strategies for that type that you can learn. It's pretty easy to teach. You can play it all the way down to, to two players, although the two player is not that great, but it, it does host um, a wide player count up to five. And it's cute. It's about like little gnomes and dwarves building things. And it's got a nice production value. It is a TMG game. You know, shout out to our lovely sponsor. But I think that Belfort overall is going to stay on the shelf forever. Like it's just such a good little Euro game. Agreed. That's a good one. That you cut off. Tiff approved. I cut it off just because I am not the biggest fan of area control. So there were other games that I like better, but it is a good one. Well, thank you for your contribution to my list. I try. Dan, you're number six. Um, Number six, I'm going to have to revise history here. Um, Core Worlds is my second favorite deck builder. My first is Baseball Highlights. Ah, yes. So makes sense. I am a massive baseball fan, as many people probably know, and this game obviously speaks to that um, and more. So it's a very smooth experience. Um, I still hate with a passion the box size and the emptiness of it. It is a large cavern of empty nothingness. Have you bought any expansions? I have them all, and it's still not (laughs) even one-third full. It's ridiculous. Um, But... Is what it is. Still a really great game. Um, I just want to shrink the box size, like maybe by fifty percent. Yeah, it would be a lot more portable if they broke it down. I could agree with that. I make the boards fold. Yeah, it's got a weird, like abstracted baseball feel to it, but it's cool and it's got robots in it. What's better than robots in baseball? Right. Not much. Well, something is better than it because you have a game higher than that, Tiff. Number five. Oh, and you'll know why. It's Carson City. Oh, my. This game has it all for me. It's like, (laughs) it's a reasonable length. It's Wild West. It's got dice. It's got worker placement. There is a little bit of area control, kind of a little bit. But we can forgive that. There's a little kick in the nuts, too. (laughs) It's a lot of that. I like it, though. I like building my little town. Oh, I love the game. I'm just... Just I've only played that one, so it is a lot of fun. Yeah. Do you have the fancy version, Tiff? That's a good one. I don't have the fancy uh-huh. version. I I even backed partially that Kickstarter to get expansions, but I didn't get the fancy version because I don't need it. Bam. <laughs> I was reasonable <laughs> for once. For a game That's that good. you love so much, though. Yeah, well, don't, don't bother me about it because I'll just go out and find it, Matt. You know that. That's true. A game that I am also a big fan of that I would love to have a fancier version of. Chimera is my number five, as we talked about the Z-Man cards, card game line. Uh, the best three-player ladder climbing game you can get around there, you know? Chimera more well, expands it to five. Now it's three or five. Now it's three or five if you have Chimera and more, which is a silly, silly title, frankly. But <laughs> we talked about that already. Uh, yeah, no, Chimera is kind of the jam. Uh, I, I really can't think of a better 
three three player specifically game like there's other games that play nice at two and nice at four but for a game at the three player count like a card game i think the chimera really is kind of a home run so i fully support that it's also very pretty i mean what's what's its competition though in the the three player only space i'm not i'm not well no i mean like other games that play three players I, i think that this trumps most of them it just its limitation is that it has no expandability gotcha. or contractability. Gotcha. I'm on board. I thought yeah. you were talking like in the realm of three player only. I was like, Does that it is cool? also the best three player only trick taking game or a ladder climbing game. So in a, in a field of one, or I guess now it competes with itself. So chimera and chimera and more. All right, Dan, number nice. five, before I go down this rabbit hole. Um, number five for me is fresco. I yeah, yeah. love this little Euro game. It's so slick. It's so smooth. I love when I'm mixing my colors up. And I love the... uh, This had the time track before, like, the viticultures and all those kind of things where you select when you want to wake up in the morning. And that's how early you can get to the market. And when you do your actions and certain bonuses. And it has, like, the 10 mini modules. And they're so small, but they have a nice impact on the game but they don't take up like a giant footprint on the table. They don't change the rules more than you can comprehend. It's just the whole package. I love that game. I really do. Big fan of that. If you're looking for like a 60 minute Euro fresco is the way to go. The only time I played that was with you at origins or Gen Con or something when we were in the game room. And I don't remember it at all. Two two players probably not where it shines because there's no real competition on that morning track. Um, But it's a really good game. I mean, nice. Tiffany B, number four. Um, I put Francis... Or wait, no. Crap. Cut that. I put Downfall of Pompeii. It, I still have nothing. It's got to <laughs> Volcano. Um, it does. Yeah, whatever, Does guys. yours have a tea light in it, though? Yes, it does. Okay. Then nice. That's of course it does. You have to. I don't know. There's just something about like choosing which of your opponents to throw into a volcano that's just fun. And it's kind of like wonky on the setup. It's a little fiddly, but um, I, every time I've played it, I've always had fun. I haven't played it with Dan, so have I played it with Dan? Maybe I Yeah, haven't. we played it once. I just ignored him not having fun. So that, Well, no, was I was in the corner. I was I was committing seppuku. You didn't, you didn't see it, but... <laughs> I was busy with my You're ritual. Still here. I was busy with my ritual. You were suicide. ineffective. I missed. I kind of. I just now I have this scar on my stomach. It's weird. Um, <laughs> it was that game's okay. Gotcha. Like it's it's cute if you're looking for something silly. Um, but yeah, I don't. I don't. And see I'm it. always looking for something silly, so it works out. Yeah. Anything that lets Tiff enact her fantasy of throwing people into volcanoes. I had, like, a weird obsession with Pompeii at one point when I was younger. Like, I read, like, every book from the library that was about Pompeii. I was a kind of a big history nerd. I still am, but, yeah. We we played it with, uh, you know why you didn't see me? Because we we played it with Adam O'Brien. And I remember he and I, I think we were passing the sword back and forth so we could attempt (laughs) to (laughs) cut our guts out. Because it was was that interesting. Well, sorry, guys, but you're wrong. My number four is another great card game. I'm still on the card game line. Uh, Lost Cities. Fantastic two-player card game. Even with... Oh, that is a good one. It's hard to deny the awesomeness of Lost Cities, even with its tiny bit of randomness, but you even that out across three rounds. 
and the fact that I played, I don't know, I've played this game probably more than most of my other card games, and I've definitely, uh, we used to put post-it notes in the box lid, and there are definitely some that have a negative score for me from the early days of when I didn't realize how dangerous it is to take those negotiation cards. So be careful out there in the Lost Cities, but that game is super, super solid, and, uh, you know, kind of the epitome of two-player card games. Who's that? Canizia, the man. Dang. Yeah, I like that one. I see no, I see no reason to own the the box copy though, because I think the app is just that good. It's one of those, and it does all the math for you, because that's that's a heavy math game. It um, is lots of math, lots of numbers. So I've I've it I've keeps played you the sharp though. No, it's good. I play the I play the app frequently. It's lazy gaming, um, Dan. Lazy gaming. It's not lazy gaming. It's efficient gaming. I don't have much time, so <laughs> okay, do the math. I can do the game in less than 10 minutes. You could spend 10 minutes just calculating one column in that game sometimes. <laughs> what do you got for number four, Dan? Uh, number four is my all-time favorite filler game, and that is Turn the Tide. A oh. Stefan Dora card game about getting sheep above water. Uh, this portion. game is phenomenal. It is my favorite card game. It is my favorite filler game. I will play this game any day um i love it because you're like competing against each other but then it also kind of so you have these like life rafts that symbolize like how many lives you have i guess how many sheep you can save and you're playing <laughs> cards it's like a simultaneous uh, card play you flip them and you're trying not to lose these life preserves but what's cool is like when you're done you pass your hand to the left and you pass all those life preserves and then the next person has to play with your hand so everyone has to play with everyone else's hand once, and that's the game. Um, so it's it's so cool that I, my favorite part about the game is it creates this little meta game within it, and you're like, ah, oh, you know, Matt Matt was down to three life preserves with that hand. Let me see if I can beat that. And so it's it's this game within the game, and it's just ah, oh, it's so good. I love that game. It is superb. That is a good game. I maybe should have that on my list. See, this is I'm glad we're doing this because anybody could listen to the show and just discover a million awesome games. Yeah. You should play Turn the Tide if you don't. It's it's a little tough to you get a hold of. Should. Um, There's an app. There is an app. It's, yes. It's not the prettiest app, no. but it does do the math for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if but there's not much. Priority. There's not much math in that one, though. But I see what no, you're Dan, saying. You're making jokes. Math. You're making jokes, Tiff. It's fine. You know I what? Try you know what? I'm gonna. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah. <laughs> well, Tiff, they can find out about lots soon, of Dan. awesome games, including your number three, which is <laughs> Francis Drake. Oh, okay. So a couple awesome games and some okay games. You don't like Francis Drake? No, I'm just kidding. I've only played it once. God, it was pretty you're good. Killing me. Oh, okay. I've played this one a few times. I just like, I like that it's like the two phases and you're, pro, you know, provisioning your ship with all the supplies that you need and then you go out and you sail and I don't know, it just has that nice like exploration-y feel of it. I like that. I almost, I had Navigador on my list, but it was one that I excluded because it's 138 and I thought that was too close to 100, so I excluded it. But I, I love sailing games. Like Expedition Northwest Passage was one that was on my list that I got rid of. And so this is my representative for that genre, sort of. Of sailing. Sailing. Historically sailing. Cool. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind playing yeah. that game. Yeah. It's not bad. 
I've only played it once as well. Oh, okay. You should play it again. I haven't played it with the expansion. There's an expansion, I think. There is? All right. My number three, a game that is criminally not in the top 100, but that's because people don't like abstract games in this world. Number 221 is Onitama, which is just... You do love that game. I do love that game. Perfect information, has a nice rotation of movement patterns, super simplistic, very pretty production with the the matte board and the nice little magnet lid box. Expansion's coming out this year, and it's only going to be 16 cards, the right kind of expansion. Just change the movement patterns. Don't make a big fuss about it. So I just, I yeah, really fond of that game. I think it's super sharp and just is a, a classic already. Just stay with me forever. Moving on. <laughs> Nobody else likes abstract games. It's fine. Dan, number three. <laughs> uh, number three for me is Carcassonne. Carcassonne. Uh, this game always holds a special place in my heart from the first time I played it on Xbox. Which sounds bizarre, but that's how I did first play this game. Um, that's weird. Yeah, we and used you've to. You've been there, haven't you? Uh, no, actually, I'll, oh. I'm hoping to go there this summer. Um, it's on my list. Elsa knows it, so um, from where from where her family lives is which where we usually stay, um, just south of Paris. It's probably about a five or six hour drive, so it's something I have to commit to for you know a long weekend or something. So I'm hoping to go there if i don't go to the beach while we're there so one of the two we're gonna need a picture of you laying in a field and standing on a road and inside a castle and in front of a monastery oh yeah i will be doing that just for a a small collage to frame in my house so yeah yes (laughs) so but it's a good game it's uh it's a classic and it should be on the top 100 yeah, I don't, I don't understand why it's not in there. It's just, it's a really good game. And I, I, the same I would say for Ticket to Ride. I think Ticket to Ride is one of those, it's a staple. Like it, It's probably just people get burned out on the, it's the way you feel about Pandemic. Like Pandemic is kind of one of those classic games, but people just get a little burned out. Yeah. Well, you can see that it, these are all like on the cusp and it's just because all these, these big miniature games are pushing these, these older games out of the top 100. I was looking at that. I mean, Village I, is on the cusp. There's not that many big minis games in the top 100. I mean, there's like there's like six or seven. That yeah, but Carcassonne was like 103 or something like that, so it, it didn't take yeah. many. No, I know. I'm just saying. I think that the the top 100 is surprisingly Euro, but for now, yeah. But that's for now. Do you have plans, Dan? Like was that a threat? <laughs> for now, no, it's not. <laughs> that's not a threat. That's that's a realization for all those people out there looking at the top 100. Is all the good games are after 100. <laughs> are going to be after 100 soon village is at 100 like that oh, sounds like a conversation so for another day i would it debate so that <laughs> i'm sure you would because wow. you play all those trashy games at the top of the list so i'm telling you fair. go look at the oh, list i counted it after your comment it's there's there are definitely games up high on the list but there are not that many games on the list like you're only displacing six seven eight games which... i'm saying it's changing though it's like anytime one of these new mini games comes out it jumps automatically into like the top 20 like just from like a yeah. kickstarter point of view where's yeah, we'll blood see. rage let me tell you where's blood rage let's see do 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 let's see what we got Gloomhaven seven get out of here no like, i know, i recognize that Glo- i'm not denying part of your statement dan i understand that star wars rebellion is number five Gloomhaven is number six that uh the next one is Blood Star Rage at Rebellion 17. shocks me. Imperial Assault yeah, at see, 18. Blood Rage is top 20. See, I think Imperial Assault should be higher than Rebellion, personally. 
But Mansions of Madness yeah. and Mechs versus Minions are 21 and 23. Then a whole bunch of Euros and Euros and Euros and Euros and Euros. Yeah. And then we get down to X-Wing at 52. And then a whole bunch of Euros and Euros and Euros. All right, let's go because this isn't good radio. <laughs> this is fine. We can debate this later. It's just these I things are going to be. Fight. I'm, I'm not fighting. fighting I'm just posing the. I, I'm posing a contrasting point that I don't think that miniatures. No, I'm saying it's going over. to change because everything that comes out now is jumping immediately into the top twenty. Any any flashy game is coming out is going right into the top twenty. Well, Rising Sun's not up there yet. Well, it's not out yet. Yeah, but Gloomhaven's <laughs> number seven. And that game yeah, only half exists. At least exists. it's out, though. Yeah, I don't, I don't know the math behind the calculations. It's weird, but well, Tiffany B, we're not talking about top one hundred. We're talking about outside of that. So, what is your number two? We were talking about that. Um, my number two is going to come as a huge shock to all of you. It's Defenders of the Realm. Okay, so my number Boo. two is. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd be surprised that it's not number one. Uh, what is all your right, number I'll one? I'll give you that. Yeah, that's interesting. It's th- it's three oh eight. Here's key, here's so. my here's my flow chart of surpriseiness. Of like right, first thing, Defenders of the Realm is on Tiff's list. Mm. All right, then we go down to the next piece of the flow chart. Wait, it's not number one. Flow chart over to surprised. There we go. Oh, I'm glad we figured that. out. Yes, so there you go. <laughs> I almost think that a flow chart might be an inefficient way to communicate that information. <laughs> There's only two steps. <laughs> Well, I couldn't put Pandemic on my list because Pandemic is in the top 100. So Defenders of the Realm is like, you know, pretty close to Pandemic, just like with a fantasy theme and some dragons and a lot of text and dice. And Launius. Launius. You had to be on there somewhere. That's because her number one is Defenders of the Last Stand. That's... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I considered it just for laughs. I will con- I'll join the no surprise in this list group. Number two is Tosh Kalar. And we don't talk anymore about Tosh Kalar. Dan, your number two <laughs> is... Good. No, Dan just backed you up. You should let him... Tosh Kalar is excellent. I've never played it. I just like making fun of you for... It's so good. Game. I don't know why. It became a thing. It, one day you'll play it and you'll be like, holy crap, Defenders of the Last Stand or Realm or whatever I play is, is now forever below this game. Okay, I, I, I'm. I would go into it with an open mind. When I can abstractly summon creatures into a battle arena via Vladichavala. Yeah. Yes, and they've only got like one leg that can move them diagonally. Yep, it's a tough life in that arena of legend. Dan, your number two. Your number two. For some reason, this sorcerer only moves in L's. I don't get it. <laughs> Uh, my number two is Matthias Kramer's Glenmore. Hmm. This is his simplistic tile-laying, engine-building, resource conversion game. Um, it's got the uh, the action track, so it's got the, the Takedo-style movement where you're collecting these things, these tiles, and you're taking those tiles and you're placing them in your buildings, and then you're activating all the surrounding tiles to do the engine-building-slash-conversion um, I love it. I, it's it's another one of those sixty minutes or less, probably even less. Um, Euro games with just a nice, nice crunchy feel to it. So smooth, love it. Whiskey barrels are the only thing that ever pops into my head when I think about that game. Whiskey barrels. Uh, yeah, my number two is almost Lune Architects, but because uh, it's Glenmore with the set. No, I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. 
You hear a lot about Lunar Architects now, don't you? Nope. Don't you? Nope. Glenn Moore. It's Glenn number Moore. 2,362 on the BGG list. So it's doing well. Tiffany B., the piece de resistance. I want to know what has displaced Defenders of the Realm. Oh, I bet you could guess. Uh, something. Oh, it's probably West. the same as my number one because it's awesome. It's mine not, is probably the same as Dan's no? number one. Oh, my number one is awesome. My number one you won't think is awesome. It's La Isla. Oh. Oh, jeez. I love La Isla. <laughs> oh. I love it so much. You oh, meant La Isla. I. It's not. The game is so green. I go back and forth whether or not it's my favorite game ever or not, but I do love it a lot. It's so so green. I'm doubling down on La Isla. It's green, and it's gorgeous. Oh, no. You're playing on a head of broccoli. (laughs) I like the game, though. I'm not going to lie. I love broccoli. You got a problem with broccoli? Broccoli is delicious. No, I I don't. broccoli last night. Especially with some cheese on it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking. I had panko. No, I like La Isla. It's good. It's not number one good, but it's good. Thanks. I respect. So what's your I respect your decision. Um, <laughs> Rococo. Boom. Matt got jumped. Oh. Got jumped. Matt oh, got jumped because Rococo is just that good. <laughs> My number one is Rococo. It is Rococo. It's so good. Another I haven't Matthias played Kramer. Rococo enough to to definitively say that, but it is very good. It's good. Rococo is not my favorite game on my list, but it's definitely the best game that is not on the top 100. What number is it? It's like 1010. (laughs) I don't know. Oh, that's too close. No. Disqualified. It could be on the top 100. Rococo is 186. It has not been displaced by an Ameritrash game. Yeah. And that just means people aren't playing it, which is sad. Because it's it because dumb be like people say, 50. oh, it's a dressmaking game. I'm not playing that. Well, maybe. Maybe some dumb people say that for sure. Those are dumb. Sorry. I'd wear a dress playing not that dumb game. People, That's how much I like it. People with dumb opinions. If you don't play that game because it's dressmaking, you are making a huge mistake and you are very close minded. <laughs> yes, that. That's I'll word it that way. I'd make a dress to wear. The to game play is abstract game. as all hell. And you make. Dan, coats in can it we too. play this game in dresses at Origins? <laughs> sure, I gotta find me a dress. I'm I'm kind of tall. Do they have like a big and tall like lady shop? You, like, so remember those closed-minded it's people it's I just Brian. talked about. This is why they're scared of this game because they. You don't have to play it in dresses. It's just more <laughs> fun if you do. No. Oh. I'm six foot four. There's not many dresses that would fit me. Maybe a thank you for dress. explaining to me that you don't have to play this game in a dress. No, I said I would make a dress to play this game. That's how much I oh. like it. Well, get to work. No, I can't. I could probably make I make better dresses in game. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Pretty good at it with all the Snoop Dogg characters. Mm, so many Snoop Dogs. Oh. There are <laughs> a lot of Snoop, Snoop Dogs. Dogg. I have not played the jewelry expansion. Have you, Dan? No, I have it. I just have not sat down to play it. I don't know. Well, did it come out in the U.S. yet? Yep. I got mine overseas. I don't know if it came out in the U.S. yet. It's on Amazon. Twenty dollars. Is it? Yep. It's cool. got that creepy guy standing behind that lady putting a necklace on her. It's very It's romantic. What are we talking about? I haven't seen the picture. Oh no, it's creepy. Look at it. The woman really has quick. the same like nice smile. She looks very nice. She's just been shifted mm-hmm. over the box ah! a little bit, and then that guy is just behind her. <laughs> Look how creepy it is. It's looks. almost like she doesn't know I'm he's there. I'm trying to think what that face that is. Guy, that guy has a white windowless horse carriage. That is a fact. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
It doesn't look like the most benevolent facial expression. Also, he has an earring. He has a pearl earring. Very fashionable. Mm Mm-hmm. Is that a thing back then? Yeah. Dan has pearl earrings. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. The the new expansion is set in the 1990s. You didn't know that? Oh, <laughs> nice. So he only has one pearl earring just in the left ear. Yes. It's only on his left ear. Only the one okay. you can see. I gotcha. I doubt they put that by mistake. It must be historically accurate. It's a board game. Yeah, they're always Maybe it's not a guy at all. Is it a woman? I don't know. Those are the, doesn't he have like the white wig on, or she have the white wig? Yeah. On? Well, yeah, and it's could a, be. It, no, that's definitely a dude. It's definitely a dude. Manly features too. Well, he's wearing All the right. coat, and in the game, the coats are for the men, and right. the dresses are for the women. I'm, just, I'm glad. I'm glad coats? we're figuring. I'm glad we're unpacking this right here. On coats air. are gender neutral, though. Well, no. Well, I think that in the setting of this game, though, it was very binary. It was just men wear coats, women wear dresses. Are people offended by this game now? I don't know. I feel like it's historically accurate. It is. To some extent. Anyway. I don't Former know. Coco. That's our list. That's our list. We did it. Of the top 10 yeah. of the 90,000 other games. Come back next week when we do our top games between 89,000 and 95,000. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be a hard list. They stopped numbering after like, like 10,000. I though. You know what we should do? We should attempt... To find some of those games and play them. That would be some of the ninety thousand. Really funny. Yeah, something like horrible on that BGG list. Isn't like that what all flipped the, the table the does? Or did I was gonna say there are people that do that. Yes, we don't have to do to that. The, I know, but well they're done actually. They stopped that show. <laughs> they are they? done. But Rest no, in I'm peace, saying like, the table. Those these could be like like the worst of the worst. So you play like the last ranked game back top 10 <laughs> well you've played amazonas so you're already one ahead of us amazonas is probably about ranked eighty four thousand for me yeah wow yeah. it's pretty bad although that's but, still five thousand better than a lot of the games <laughs> but dora he redeemed himself with that turn the tide though mm. that's Makes some good gaming that's some good gaming all right well that is our list as we said among many other tangential conversations. So we thank you all for joining us for this episode of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. Remember that you can find us on Facebook.com slash League of Nonsensical Gamers. Shoot us an email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com. Head on over to BGG Guild number 2077. Let us know some of the games that we missed that are not in the top 100. And be sure to ask for some geek gold to get a tiny Meeple Shield micro badge. You can find us on places like Instagram if you want to see some photos of the board games we've been playing. Dan and Steve run the Nonsensical Gamers account. You can find me at Cinnamon Buns on Instagram for some of my less photogenic board game pictures. You can also give us some iTunes reviews if you enjoy the content or you want to provide us some constructive feedback. Head on over there. Be sure to listen into the Anchor Radio Station on the Anchor Radio app if you want to hear some little snippets of different things related to board games. Thank you again to our sponsor, Tasty Minstrel Games. Check them out at playtmg.com. Don't forget about Flow of History on Indiegogo and look out for Yokohama on May 15th on your store shelves. And be sure to hit us up personally on Twitter if you want to chat about whatever it is you want to chat about. Tiffany B., where do they find you? I am at ineptgamer. And Dan, where do they find you? Um, at League Nonsense or at Scandalous underscore Nad. And you can find me at Cinnamon Buns, spelled phonetically. And if you are that guy who I played Overwatch with yesterday, you called me Shamu all day because my PlayStation tag is also Cinnamon Buns. And the guy did not know how to pronounce my name. He just called me 
Shamu or Shamai or Sinu. And it was sad. (laughs) But it's spelled phonetically. Stupidly. So, anywho. Thank you all for joining us. We will see you next time. Until then, say goodbye, everyone. Toodles. Bye. Bye. Bye.